We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you. And joining me again this evening to break down the 49ers matchup against the Cowboys is Kyle Posey of Niners Nation, the man that should be your co-host, but corporations got agreed. KP, how are you, bro? (laughs) I was just waiting to see how petty you're about to get. I'm great, man. Um, I think that was like the minimum amount of petty. Yeah. You know, like you I could probably be that. pettier. No doubt about it. What are you, how are you spending these this week with, uh, with no nothing to do, right? I've been uh, watching Vikings of Ahala on Netflix, reading random um, books. I just watched the first episode of The Last of Us last night. Um, which is, if you don't know, is based off a PlayStation game, like one of the greatest games ever made. Um, Watch that. Very good. Very, very stunning. Very frightening, I guess you could say. Um, What else have I been doing? Not a whole lot. You know what I have been doing, though? I've been like mostly avoiding. You would think a guy in my position would tweet a lot right now based on the fact that the 49ers are in the postseason and you know, but I, I've I've almost avoided all social media because it's just so like polarizing right now. Like everybody is so turned up <laughs> in terms of this Dallas Cowboys. You can literally feel the stress on Twitter and people trying to talk themselves into anything. And so I've just largely avoided it. Have you Have you picked up on that? Before we get into the matchup. What's your confidence level here? Because what I'm, what my read is about the 49ers fan base anyway, and just like we're talking to some of my friends that are pretty diehard 49er fans, they are as confident as ever. Is that your lean? Uh, No, not at all. 
Well, uh, well, then we'll start with this. I'll, I'll because the first thing I wanted to lead with and with our conversation here was just what our overall read on was on the on the matchup on the Cowboys. And my read, since you asked me, I'll, I'll just lead off. My read on the Cowboys is very. I see a team that's very similar to the 49ers. like in in so many ways, like. And I see a team that's equally as talented as the 49ers, maybe a couple notches down as far as just overall talent spread throughout the roster. But like when you just think of the weapons, I think the 49ers have a pretty definitive advantage on defense, but the Dallas Cowboys have played amazing defense for the most part. So it's like, I mean, you think about offense, you got Dak, you got Tony Pollard, you have Dalton Schultz, and you have CeeDee Lamb. And it's like, okay, and the 49ers have, Brock Pretty, they have Christian McCaffrey, they have Brandon Ayuk, and they have George Kittle. And then obviously maybe their 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 bump up, especially against the Cowboys in the playoffs, is Debo Samuel, you know, where they where they kind of eclipse what Dallas has. And then on defense, again, I think that's where you kind of see a bigger talent discrepancy. But at the same time, it's not like Dallas is devoid of talent. You got another contender for defensive player of the year in Mika Parsons. You have uh Trevon Diggs out there playing great ball. Um, a nice little core of linebackers capable of pretty much, I mean, it's just a lighter version of what the 49ers have. And it's like, and I'm not sliding the 49ers. I do think they have a pretty, but I mean, I just see two teams that are like ready to beat the hell out of each other, but I don't know. What do you think? I picked Tampa Bay to win last week. And if not for a 45-year-old throwing his first red zone interception in the first time for the first time since uh who knows, maybe Dallas crumbles when they're playing from behind. Maybe Dak has a turnover when he doesn't have the lead. And you know, we're not seeing Dallas kind of run away with it. But I thought Tampa Bay would win because they'd be able to get pressure. And obviously that didn't happen. But at the same time, the one team that I think in the NFC can beat the 49ers, like that's the Cowboys. And well, you said, you said last week, you're like, I can't, I can't sleep on Dallas's talent. Yeah. All season. And last week is exactly why, right? We see them score 31, but they kind of took their foot off the gas. Um, Dak, when, when Dak is rolling, they are dangerous on offense. And there have been a lot of examples throughout this season um, we saw Dallas drop 40 on the Eagles or sorry, they scored 34 on Jacksonville. I think they dropped 40 on the Eagles. They've had these offensive outbursts where they just make it look easy. Like CeeDee Lamb's doing his thing. Obviously Dak's clicking. Tony Pollard's getting the ball. So they have the weapons to keep up with the 49ers. And obviously they have a speed in the pass rush on the other side of the ball. Michael Parsons is a game changer, but it's not just him. Demarcus Lawrence is a very good player. They have, their version of Charles and Minnie who kicks inside and match you in waves too. I think this one's going to be a higher scoring game, but I don't, I understand the confidence, but I, I think this is going to come down to like the final possession for sure. Yeah. I would be very surprised if this was not a, yeah. Like what you just, if this was not a final possession type game, if one team won by two scores, I'd be pretty surprised because, you know, both defenses can hold their own and both offenses can score. So it's like it, it seems relatively even, you know, when you 
excuse me, even start to look at like the advanced metrics and stuff. They're the two teams are very evenly matched. And even in when the 49ers or the Cowboys have their biggest advantage, it's not that significant of an advantage, you know, and the, the overall stuff we'll get into it. But to your point, I mean, you look at their games and outside of a, a I don't know what the hell that was against, against Washington. You've got 27 against Tennessee and we know their defense has a tendency to be super stubborn 40 against Philly. Uh, they lost, but they had 34 against Jacksonville, 54 against Indianapolis, you know, 40 against Minnesota, uh, 49 against Chicago. Like they have those some are coming of these in bunches where, too, right? And they have some of these games where they lose 26 to 17, or they lose to Tampa Bay 19 to three. That was Week One, which means nothing now. Uh, you know, they they it, it's it's just like when they are on fire, they are on fire. Like they are like among the best teams in the NFL when they're on. Now it seems like the Cowboys have this weird ability to to choke, to take themselves out of games, to implode, to you know, in in any number of ways, but at the same time, you know, when you're in the Hello Mike McCarthy. <laughs> right, right. I was watching uh Guy Haberman and, and John Middlecoff earlier, and, and Guy was breaking down all this dumbass stuff that Mike McCarthy and Kel- and and uh, what's the offensive coordinator's name? Kellen Moore, I think. Yeah, I almost said Kellen Mond. Um, <laughs> the very similar names. Now that we say them together, mm-hmm. uh, the dumbass plays they tried to call, like you know, it's like the, on the dumbass decisions that were made, like switching your special teams out for your offense when there's only like 15 seconds left on the play clock and trying to do like a hook and ladder, but the throws like eight yards to the sideline and like all these things that he was breaking down, you know, and like in the last second, one choosing to run down the middle of the field when you have like 15 seconds left of the game and two trying to spot your own ball and then yelling about like, by the way, doesn't that game feel like it was five years ago? It does hundred percent. I don't know what happened, but it does seem like five years ago. It does. So, uh, I mean, let's start from let's start let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Going up against the 49ers defense, what's your? You said you know I know you told me you just got done writing a piece about where Dallas may have a, a an advantage against the 49ers and kind of how they might try to take it. What do you? What's your read on offense from an offensive standpoint from the Cowboys against the 49ers defense? What do they have to worry about? What's Dallas coming at them with? Just your, your overall feel. So this remains one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL. And I think they are the best just because they're more healthy than everybody else right now, which is weird to say about a 49 uh, It is, team. bro. Um, geez, that is wild. But so we know that we know about the pass rush, right? We know about Fred Warner. We know about Mooney Ward. Like they have legitimate stars. I think Eric Armstead qualifies as a star. No, Mooney just gave up a big play to DK Metcalf, and you know naturally uh, Twitter wants to you know cut him <laughs> whenever anything bad right, happens. Right, because DK Metcalf making a big play is a yeah. total indictment of a corner. The 240-pound guy who runs a 4-3-3 uh, right. is yep. not allowed to do anything positive. But nope. there is CeeDee Lamb, and CeeDee Lamb is very dangerous, and CeeDee Lamb lives in the slot. And if there is one area where you can attack the 49ers, as has been the case all season, it's by running down the middle of the field 
and not like Fred Warner's middle of the field. I mean, essentially like on the edge of the tackle box, so like right outside of where Fred Warner would usually be. Teams have found ways to isolate the 49ers linebackers or to get Tayshawn Gibson one-on-one, to get Talano Fungo one-on-one. And that doesn't mean it's going to be a 50-yarder, but they've found ways to have that little 8- to 12-yard route where it's it's really tough sledding. And I would imagine CeeDee Lamb gets the ball a lot in that scenario, but... At the same time, the 49ers really don't give up anything after the catch. Uh, they were very solid tacklers. So which, which Dak Prescott are we going to see? I think that's one of the big questions. So we were talking about it a little bit before we got on here. His quarterback rating last last week was, I think, I want to say 93, which for Dak Prescott, who on the season it was in like the 50s, 54, played in over his head against the Tampa Bay defense, who, which we didn't mention, they didn't have their starting cornerback last week. Nobody, I haven't heard one person mention that while we're talking about how the Cowboys went off last week and they scored 31. Well, Tampa Bay had a cornerback who was just announced out right before the game started due to illness. This cornerback was not mentioned on the um, practice of the injury reports. So that's very cool. Um, who was that? Jamel Dean. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, out of, out of nowhere, he just like, didn't play in the game. So, oh, that's <laughs> why Dallas is having so much success. The starting freaking corner is not out there. Who would have thought? Um, right. That's not going to be an issue. What do you think about Diamondo Lenore? So, for much of the second half, teams were going out of their way to pick on him. But last week, speaking of like playing in over their head, he had – that was the best I've ever seen him look and outside of the interception, but he was in position. Like he was competing on the, all of his targets. Um, he's, he's always been like an aggressive tackler, but he was just sound and it looked good. So I wonder how much of that performance will, I mean, maybe it'll, it'll make you say, prove it, do it again. But right. Because that's, what, I mean, that's you, ultimately what, what, it, what it comes down to. I don't know, man. I mean, for a guy that is going to be targeted as much as he is, uh, you know, just given the fact that if you had to choose between him and Ward, you're going to you're going to choose him. But and you you mentioned aside from the interception, like even like, you have to mention the interception because that was sure. a pretty ridiculous interception. Like it was a damn good play. He was essentially running the route for the receiver and he was just mirroring exactly what he was doing and and broke down at the exact same time. And in a matter of a split second was two yards infield from the receiver and then was in front of the ball. Like it was, it was smooth as hell. I could not believe how fast he got into position and he was in position, but you know, normally when a receiver breaks like that, they create a little bit of cushion, but he just instantly closed it up. And, you know, the receiver is Tyler Lockett, by the way, not just like right. um, any other receiver. And so, I mean, I really honestly don't know. What's interesting about it is that we, we kind of saw the same thing last year from Ambry Thomas, where there was this huge phase where that guy was obviously being picked on, and you can literally see the development in the player. And it's, 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 you either have, you either sink or you swim. So it's, I'm hoping that we're seeing the same thing from Yamador Lenore right now that we saw from Amy Thomas. Not that he's been a factor. He's been dealing with injuries almost all year and, and looked not that great in training camp. 
Um, but Diamandor Lenore has been challenged and he's been challenged. He's been beaten. He's been beaten. And then all of a sudden he started to win some 50, 50 reps. He start now we're not talking about AJ green, but that was pretty much the entire offense from the game, from the Cardinals. And then it's just seems like he's rising to the occasion. And obviously every test, every next game is going to be his biggest test from here on out, depending how far the 49ers go. Um, Think about it. Like who they have I'm not, from now right. on. It could be CeeDee Lamb, now A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, Steph Diggs, um, I'm, obviously the Chiefs receivers, or potentially Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. That's nuts, man. Just the absolute cream of the crop from here on out. Yeah. The one – the lineup you just get – well, the Bengals receivers are no slouch. I mean, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd are freaking – nuts but the one that you said that would scare me the most which is probably if they get past the cowboys is the most realistic option is aj brown and devonta smith because that's to me i mean devonta smith was like just short of 100 catches this year like that dude is is i mean you have wide receiver a and b there like throw it to you who you want to throw it to so in that case you know it's almost like both corners can be picked on so the 49ers, Diamondor Lenore rising to the occasion would be a huge swing in the in the right direction for the 49ers because then they're not necessarily having to adjust to cover up Lenore's weaknesses. They don't have to play favor one side of the field or the other. Not that it really seems like they've been doing that that much. The 49ers, for a team that has one corner that they paid handsomely for and the other spots just kind of been up for grabs, they always seemed like they were perfectly willing to let that player take their lumps. And, and like, look, like, obviously, we're going to get there if we can get there, but this is you on your man. Do what you got to do. And it, as of late, he's looked good. You know, I mean, I'm not sure if I'm ready to proclaim that side of the field covered and, you know, be feel comfortable about it. But at the very least, you you start to feel a little less like there's a problem. That's what a dynamic to enter the season as 2019. Like nobody knew that they were going to have this historic defense, but they had a Keller Weatherspoon. He gets hurt. They have to have a playoff run with Emmanuel Mosley. They have an all pro on the other side, Richard Sherman. 2020 pro bowl slash all pro Jason Barrett. Um, Question mark (laughs) on the other side. 2021 Emmanuel Mosley was their best corner. And then on the other side, Ambry Thomas, Josh Norman, Obviously, both of those guys well, were not up to par. Then this season, you have the plan. You have Emmanuel Mosley. Uh, he goes down. So now it's the same situation. Mooney Ward, stud, pro bowler, opposite side. You're working to develop this rookie cornerback. So it's been the same thing for them every year. I know. They probably just irritated that they can never have two up at the same time. It's like it's against the rules for them to have two good corners. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So. You know, it, it's secondary is going to have their hands full. To me, it, I mean, that's every secondary in the NFL is going to have their hands full if the pass rush can't do their thing. And we saw when the pass rush couldn't do their thing in in Tampa Bay what Dak Prescott was able to do. Now, you, they also had a corner uh, down. But, I mean, if you watch that game, he was just completing passes at will. He completed 25 of 33 for 75%, over 300 yards and four touchdowns. That is not the norm 
for Dak Prescott, but it tells you what he can do when conditions are right for him. And I can't forget, too, that it wasn't a away game. It was in Tampa, and and he just lit them up. Now, the Tampa, you know, Tampa Bay's defense started out the season pretty solid. They've had their moments. They've had they they brought a lot of clout into the season, kind of all stemming from what they did to the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. But it's like they haven't really been that for a while. We saw the 49ers absolutely carve them up as well. So I'm not necessarily sure they're the greatest indicator of what we're gonna see from the Cowboys offense. But like we said earlier, they've they've been they've had their games of absolute domination. So I'm just I mean, you look at the weapons, Prescott. Pollard, Elliott a little bit, Dalton Schultz, CeeDee Lamb. I mean, how do you expect the 49ers to deal with all that? Yeah, I mean, it comes down to just exactly what you said, right? Getting pressure. And the 49ers are king of the NFL when it comes to getting pressure without having to blitz. And we see it last year in the game. How many – didn't they sack him like five times? They sacked him – they sacked Prescott a crazy amount of times. I know Charles Aminu kind of came out with his little strip sack. But Dak's numbers – Dak's just – I mean, any quarterback is, but he's a completely different player um, when he's under pressure as opposed to when he's clean. So when he's when he was pressured this season, uh, nine touchdowns compared to six interceptions, completion percentage five, was 51 Five sacks. Last game, five sacks. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. 12, 13, and 14 quarterback hits. Oh, man. Just from the basic stat sheet perspective. Yeah. And is this Cowboys offensive line better than last year's? So they're banged up, and that is important to talk about. Tyron Smith is playing right tackle for his fifth game. Right. And Nick Bosa loves left tackle. Yeah. and, And that's. Because Jason Peters went down, correct? Mm-hmm. And by the way, Tyler Smith is a game. hell of a player. He played left guard, I believe, when before Jason Peters went down. But he is a great athlete. He's a first rounder. He's a strong talent, superb talent, even. But he's still a rookie, and you kind of saw some rookie moments from him during the the past couple of games. So you have to imagine they're going to try to get him isolated, either on Bosa or try to put him in games where Tyler Smith has to think. And when you have to think with the speed coming at you, it has been proven um, during the past month, like D'Amico Ryans can get over on you with the athletes that they have up front. And it's it's all about getting Dak to kind of drop his eye level and, and see what he's like when he is pressured. Because, yeah, the difference between when he's pressured and when he's not is just like night and day. He goes from essentially a superstar quarterback to um, middling average when he's kept clean. He's like a robot computer when he's kept clean. And then, I mean, when you get pressure on him, it's just like malfunction. The computer needs a new hard drive. So, big difference. Well, yeah, you go to the the defensive statistics from when they played the Bucks, and they had one sack, and that was it. And they had four quarterback hits. So, in terms of – and that one sack was by Vita Vea, who, of course, it was. But compared to what <laughs> the 49ers – Right, right. Compared to what the 49ers did to that that offensive line and did to Dak Prescott when they played last year, you know, you can see where the problem was, was, you know, the fact that it was just consistent pressure. 
And I mean, that's to me, that's one of the absolute biggest keys of the game. Like you just said, if Dak Prescott is clean, he will carve you up. We saw it against Tampa Bay. He had no problem doing it. Now, at the same time, the 49ers defense is is far more talent laden than Tampa's is, at least from at every level of the defense. Um, so, I mean, the, th- the prayer's the problem, though, man. Like, you can have all the talent in the world. It still can't stack up to what an offense can do when the defensive front gets no pressure. Like, you can have a defense full of Mooney Wards and Fred Warners and Jimmy Wards, but if the defensive line does not get pressure, somebody's going to be open. And that's just the nature of playing defense. You are reacting to somebody else. And, you know, unless you've just... And that does a good job of finding you, too. Right. And uh, so that, I mean, that to me is one of the biggest, absolute biggest factors of this game is... And I don't even want to say a lot of the times we're like, well, let's, you know, if they stop the run, they'll be okay. And I wouldn't necessarily say that with this Cowboys team. You can stop the run, and obviously that forces them to be one dimensional. But Dak had no problem throwing the ball and in Tampa. And that's not going to be as easy sledding against the 49ers. But I mean, it's so it's I think gotta be the, the best way to kind ahead. of look at this is when when you're looking at Dallas over the past month or so when they stepped up in class to def- uh, to comparable defensive lines like the 49ers. I'm not saying that these teams have the same caliber of defensive line as the 49ers. I'm saying Dallas's offensive line struggled against them, so it's probably going to happen against a better defensive line. So against uh, the commanders who, you know, defensive line full of first rounders, they were able to get after Dak a lot. They sacked him once, they hit him three times, but they had uh, 11 other pressures against Dak that week. So going back, when when did they play the Eagles? Oh, no, the week before, because it was the Titans. And the Titans did not have like three or four starters. I don't even think uh, Jeffrey Simmons, their top defensive lineman played, still hit him three times, sacked him twice, had 12 total pressures in that one. And then the Eagles, the big one, and I, I want to say that was one of the earlier games where Dak came back, but oh, – was that what week was that? Fifteen, maybe. The when he know. played the Eagles, they they had twenty pressures on him. So like again, they were living in the backfield. I don't. I didn't think Dallas could block Tampa Bay and the pressure that Bowles was going to put on him. But Prescott just played out of his mind. Like that. That was again one of the better games that he's played in his lifetime. Over the course of the season, when Dallas steps up, when Dallas plays a very good defensive line. They struggle. And I think we're going to see more of that. And I, when you talk about the running game, they, they really didn't run the ball very well last week. They, um, Tony Pollard hit on a couple, couple runs over 15 yards, but like on a down-to-down basis, they struggle. And when yeah, they, they when only the averaged 3.7 yards a carry. Yeah, that's not going to – like no matter how well you think Dak Prescott played last week, Throwing the ball 50 times against the 49ers, like that is a death wish. You cannot do that against them. Uh, they would make you one-dimensional. You get to have Nick Bosa pin his ears back, not have to worry about the run. And then D'Amico gets to get creative. So, yeah, not a, not ideal if you can't run the ball on them. But I guess that's a question, right? Will Pollard be able to break a couple just like uh, Kenny Walker was or um, the Raiders guy a couple weeks back? So uh, do you think they'll be able to have success? Do you think – the uh, the Cowboys will be able to get Tony Pollard, whether it's to the edge, whether it's on the screen, whether it's just busting one up the middle. Do you think how, 
what do you think about that matchup? I don't know, man. It's hard to say. I, I feel like the 49ers are a little inconsistent when it comes to stopping the run. I think overall, as the season goes, they've been great. I mean, I had it on my notes here. Where are they at? Um, defense. The 49ers are the second. In terms of DVOA, the 49ers are the second best defense in the NFL against the run. So obviously, they've been doing something right. But we've seen it over the past few weeks that, you know, especially with um Kenneth Walker you know he had like over 50 yards in the first half and it, it wasn't necessarily how the game played out and they ended up kind of sealing that off but at the same time it, it seems like they're solid against the run but maybe and it and it started to, I started to get a little indication that the Seahawks were were going after the edge of the 49ers defense and their inability to keep contain and that is exactly the type of of running game that uh, Pollard is good at. He's very fast. He gets up to speed very quickly. Zeke is kind of there between the tackles guy. He's not even the running back I'm worried about. And what's crazy is at, at one point I would think it was kind of, I don't know, like bold to say that. But then you look at just their statistics for the year. Pollard is well ahead of Zeke, you know, uh, over a thousand yards for Pollard. I pulled up Zeke stacks too. Zeke has 876. Pollard has more carries he's i mean zeke's only averaging 3.8 yards per carry to pollard's 5.2 which is excellent you know pollard has easily eclipsed zeke as the man in that backfield and he's got the quicks to get outside and it seemed like the 49ers had a little bit of trouble keeping outside contained with it was there was seemed like dre greenlaw and fred warner were just kind of always running after somebody going towards the edge after like 10 to 12 yards so I mean, Greenlaw I'll had some ask you bad this. Angles last game. He did. He did. And that's, I, I noticed him a lot more than, than Warner, but I was just like, damn, man, like, how are you letting some guy beat you to the, like, completely beat you to the edge and around you? And if there wasn't a cornerback there, you know, he'd be screaming down the sideline. But I mean, if you had to eliminate one player from the Cowboys' offense, you know, blanket him and make him a non factor, who would it be? I guess we could take away Dak because obviously we know they want to get after him. Well, one of their playmakers, right, who do you think it's the most important to stop? Oh, it has to be CD. Like he is their offense. And I think, man, if they're able to keep CD and he's like, they're going to find ways to get him the ball. But if they keep CD under 80 yards, I don't like, I think there there's a, Good chance to actually win by double digits, but I don't think that's that's a lot easier said than done, right? If you just look at how they use Ceedee Lamb and um, his explosiveness, like last week or in the regular season, even against Tennessee on a short week, 100 yards. Uh, before that, against the Eagles, 120. But the week before that, against the Jaguars, 126. Like he is a big play waiting to happen, and isolating him on one of the safeties does kind of scare me. But if he's in the middle of the field, if he's in the slot, they're going to have Jimmy Ward on him in some capacity. So what's your confidence level with Jimmy Ward being able to keep up with CeeDee Lamb? I actually think Ward's been like damn good in the slot. And talk about like being physical and competitive. That's the kind of guy, right? You want to rely on a veteran in the spot? Um, he hasn't seen a guy like CeeDee Lamb, though. No, I know. And that doesn't – I'm not sure there's – I mean, how – how many players in the NFL would you feel completely exactly. comfortable lining in the slot against CD Lamb? You know, it's 
it's got to be one of those yeah, things where you would think they would pay more attention to CD Lamb than they would your normal players. I mean, we're in the playoffs. In moments like this, teams tighten up the spotlight on their primetime players, their big players. I would think that CD Lamb is 50% of this team's offensive game plan. Like, I, obviously, they know they want to run the ball, but they're probably not expecting that to go very well against the 49ers. Now, they might be able to do it. It's not that you can't run the ball against the 49ers. They're just good at defending it. So to me, and I and I, I'd have to agree with you, I mean, there's a part of me that wants to say Tony Pollard, take him away, and, and you're at least going to force them to do the same things over and over. But if you take CeeDee Lamb away, I mean, on the season, you're taking away almost 1,400 yards of production and and, and nine touchdowns, you know, that's not a big deal. That's like eliminating Brandon Ayuk from the 49ers offense and then some, you know, he just barely eclipsed a thousand yards and not a talent thing. It's just a usage thing. So, you know, it's, it's, it's almost from given his injuries and, and how often he's been on the field as of late, it's almost like taking away Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel. Like it's just such a massive chunk of their offense uh, that, you know, you can expect their game plan to be almost wholly resided around him. And if I if I ha- couldn't take away Ceedee Lamb, I, I think my next choice would be Dalton Schultz, who we haven't really talked about yet. But and he's had a, a an okay season, you know. But it seemed like they finally woke up. You know, he only had uh, fifty seven catches for five hundred and seventy seven yards and five touchdowns, but. It seems like, you know, in the playoffs, they finally woke up to what he can do because all of a sudden he's got seven catches on eight targets for 95 yards and two touchdowns, you know, and it's that to me is kind of scary because now you're dealing with somebody who operates in the seam somewhere where the 49ers have had some problems, somewhere where you're kind of relying on Deshaun Gibson and Talanoa Hufanga to – you know, and even D'Amico Ryan's mentioned Hufanga's bad eyes. Which, if the defensive coordinator, as chill as D'Amico <laughs> Ryan's mentions it, well, you've had some conversations. You know, you've been chewed oh, up in the no film room. So, going all the way back to what you see... started with. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I want to hear what you think. Yeah, I was just gonna say. So about CD and about taking him away. Like, D'Amico Ryan's has a history of you know, going out of his way to take that guy away. They doubled Devonta Adams with the Raiders. They did that in the playoffs last year. And this year, they tr- – so Dallas against Washington, week 18, they wanted to win that game. CD, seven targets, five receptions, 52 yards. They score six points. Um, you just go down the other list of when they lost or when they struggled to move the ball. Week six, 17 points, five receptions. 68 yards, 10 targets. I know they had a backup quarterback, but the point stands. Rams, the week before, struggled, 22 points. And I remember that because one of those was a special teams touchdown. The offense does not get credit for that. 53 uh, yards, five catches, eight targets. Week one, really struggling in Tampa Bay, you mentioned. I know it doesn't count, but the proof is there. Two targets, or sorry, two receptions, 11 targets, 29 yards. I don't think, and this has been proven with Dallas over the course of the season, their secondary players are good enough and probably for sure not good enough to beat the 49ers. But if if the 49ers game plan coming in is to make sure CD doesn't get over top, right? So then we're not going to have those 50-yard, 40-yard plays 
um, those explosive ones that can hurt you. If you just keep everything underneath, tackle him, make Michael, Michael Gallup, make T.Y. Hilton, make their secondary players beat you, the 49ers have to love where they're at this one. So um, that would be my game plan. Just make, honestly, anybody else prove that they can win not just one play, like not just the DK Metcalf 50 bomb, but over and over and over. And let's see if you can keep up with the 49ers. And that is a tough ask. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And I think that's a good transition point. So, I mean, to sum it up, there's no part of this Dallas offense that should be slept on. I mean, they have playmakers at every level. They have an offensive line that's playing well, all things considered. Dak Prescott, we just saw, have the game of his life. You've got a wide, a genuine wide receiver one. You've got a tight end that is much better than I think a lot of people give him credit for. Um, and even, you know, the Dallas's wide receiver core, you know, their twos and threes are solid receivers. Um, you know, Michael Gallup is a, is a really, really good receiver, still kind of trying to round himself back into form. We'll see if, if that happens, but don't think he's they've got a lot yet. of talent. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. But is he there enough to beat Diamondor Lenore? Right. You know, that's all he's got to be able to do. I'm assuming Ward is going to follow CD as much as he can. I don't think they're going to move him into the slot to follow him. You know, no. I, I, did they do that at all with DK? Did did he stick with DK even in the slot? I, I honestly don't know. No, I don't. So he would he would um, shade to the side that he would line up. But Ward, like, rarely ever follows them in the slot. I, I could look it up. But I'm, I'm fairly certain that. Like if he were to if we were to count his slot snaps, it would probably be under fifteen. So my guess would be no. And I think I want to say, um, CD like lives in the slot too. So right, right. So that'll be interesting. Uh, I you know uh, again I I do think the forty nine uh, the forty nine ers defense is better than Dallas's defense, but. 
the 49ers defense is not going against Dallas's defense. They're going against Dallas's offense. And I do think they have the talent and they have the ability to seriously complicate what Dallas wants to do. But it's all going to, for me, it's all going to fall back on that defensive line. Like if they can play how they played last year against Dak, and that's what he's going to be thinking about. You know, obviously they're going to have a lot of confidence coming off the game he just played and then that offense. But what Dak's going to think about is what was happening the last time he played the Niners. And that was in Dallas. You know, it's something we haven't even mentioned. This one's at Levi's. That's a great point. <laughs> and so things are just not going to be as as comforting. Uh, I Matt Mayoko brought up on on 49ers talk the fact that I think all of the all of Dallas's losses this year have come on grass fields, which is probably more of a coincidence than than anything else. But um, that's what they're playing on. Thank goodness it's just supposed to be normal weather. Um, so, anyways, let's switch. Let's switch. We've been focusing on Dallas's offense. Let's switch over to the 49ers' offense against Dallas's defense. What's your What's your read on that? What are your first just what comes to your straight to your head? So naturally you're gonna look at, you know, the, the lack of success that Tampa Bay had from last year, or sorry, from last week. But I think if you look at Dallas over the course of the second half of the season and look at what opposing offenses have been able to do against them, you have to think that Kyle Shannon's gonna have his fair share of success, right? So um well, you got going back to that. If you want me to run through it, you've got you have it in front of you because you got twenty six. I mean, Washington scored twenty six. You got thirteen from Tennessee. That's not necessarily saying much, though. A backup no, no, in no. Philadelphia, thirteen in Josh Dobbs, though. So Josh right, that's Dobbs what I mean. On short week. <laughs> that is yeah. not a good sign. Isn't that the week where it was like shit? He's like Josh Dobbs is playing, and we found out like a few days before the game. Monday, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. You have 30 um, – well, you, uh, the Eagles, and I think that was Gardner Minshew, scored 34 on them. It was. Uh, Jacksonville put up 40 on them. Houston put up 23. Um, and Houston then, had 23 then, but had the ball on the one-yard line with a chance to score. So they should have easily had 30 if they were a competent franchise, but we don't, right. they don't qualify, so. Yeah, you've got to go all the way back to week 13, you know, and this is just the Colts, so not like that's that impressive. But 19, holding the Giants to 20. Close game at half. I remember uh, that one, too. Yep, holding the uh, the Vikings to three, which is impressive, no matter how incompetent that, that group is or how much. <laughs> um, losing to Green Bay, which put up 31. So, yeah, I mean, I would say definitely in the back half of this season, this defense has proven themselves a bit more vulnerable than maybe they were to start the year. They are 25th in DVOA, their passing defense, the Cowboys, since week 13. So since Brock Purdy blessed us, they have struggled <laughs> and struggled mightily to stop the pass. And I think based on what we've seen, they're, they're actually very good against the run. And you do have to give the Cowboys credit for being able to, to stop the run and to, to make teams maybe un, a little uncomfortable and throw more than they want to. But don't look now, but the 49ers want to throw the ball. For for so many years, we had to sit here and pretend that Shanahan is a running guy, right? That Shanahan just right. wants to run outside zone, which was so BS. 
oh, watch one Falcons game from 2016 and tell me this is a guy that enjoys running the football. No, that is not the case. And it, it's taken uh, Mr. Irrelevant to, to prove that, but they love to throw the ball. It doesn't mean they're going to air it out, which, I mean, aside from the first drive, you if you watched the first drive last last week, you would think that they like to air it out. But um, that to me, I like the matchup first drive. Game. To interrupt you because you it, it's it's off your point. That first drive of the 49ers offense in the rain against Seattle told me every it showed me everything I needed to see with how much Kyle Shanahan, as crazy as to say this, trusts Brock Purdy to run his offense. Like it was his first playoff game in the rain. Everything's working against him to that point, and Kyle Shanahan just starts slinging the ball. Like and the first pass looked like it was sailed either because of nerves and he's just amped up or because of water. Because in the beginning of the game it was raining pretty damn hard. Um, but to me, like to your point, like it's obvious that Kyle Shanahan wants to throw the ball when he's having your seventh round last pick rookie quarterback in the rain in his first playoff game just start throwing twenty yard bombs like in his first drive. Like uh, his first three pass attempts were like all explosives. Like he's looking to push the freaking ball down the field and he was doing it out of his baby, out of 21 personnel. So how you check still on the field, George Kittle still on the field. So you still have the two running backs, still have the, uh, the tight end, but since Brock Purdy's taken over, like they're still running the ball, running 21 personnel. They're just throwing it more, throwing it way more. And I guess an easier way to, to put it is, uh, that 23 guy in the backfield, whoever that is, is making a big difference. Um, I was looking this up earlier. The 49ers ran the ball before acquiring Christian McCaffrey 34 times. Or sorry, they only dropped back to throw 34 times and threw it 62 times before Christian McCaffrey. Since acquiring him, they've thrown the ball 110 times out of 21 personnel compared to 132. So it's gone from um, one to two to almost one to one now, which is insane. And that tells you, yes, he does per- trust Purdy. Yes, it's probably a combination of Christian McCaffrey, um, who they can throw slants to, which is insane to say. Um, on first down, too, by the way. Uh, yeah, the matchups are tough. And what they can do is they, they put McCaffrey and Kittle on one side, put Debo and Ayuk on the other side. Then what do you do? Seriously, like, what are you supposed to do against that? Because more than likely, you're going to be in a – formation that has three linebackers on the field that is advantage offense i don't know man like like i was saying earlier it's like on the offensive side of the ball is is uh, you know i could see the dallas offense just by the nature of the game having a slight advantage over the 49ers defense and that doesn't mean that they have more talent you could i just could i think the cowboys will be able to move the ball more times than not now this 49ers defense could very easily shut that idea down very quick but it's on the 49ers offense versus the Cowboys defense where I start to see a little more of a mismatch you know and and the Dallas Cowboys defense has been has been great they've got some statistics going for themselves you know I don't know how much of those statistics are heavily weighted or based on you know and, and improved by the fact that the you know they started out so hot you know like you said since uh, you know in the back half of the season they've really started they've always been good against the run but they've started to struggle against the pass I guess that might be the nature of being good against the run you know offenses right, have no choice 
but to pass. But at the same time, they haven't been shutting that down either. And that's probably where the 49ers defense starts to pull ahead is the fact that they can stop the run and keep and, and shut down a pass game at the same time, typically. But on offense, the 49ers just start to pull away, you know, and, and I guess all of this hinges upon Brock Purdy's ability to play. Um, but I think every ounce of me wants to say, like, if he can beat the Cowboys in the second round of the playoffs, he's for real. But I think that I think I've I think he's earned the right to maybe to have me say he's already for real. Like he's already passed those tests. I don't want to keep moving the goalposts and just saying, well, if he can do this, he can do this. <laughs> I, That's I, how know, this and, works. Right. And so all the, it would just be another hugely impressive uh, a, a dot in his resume. And But you start to see where the chips start to fall a little bit more in the 49ers' favor. Like, okay, you want to take away Brandon Ayuk, that's fine. Um, maybe you can also try to take away George Kittle. Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe you successfully, where I was asking about one weapon on Dallas, for Dallas, you could even completely annihilate, somehow blanket, two offensive weapons on the 49ers. Let's say you take away um, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, and then you're still getting hit with George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. And, you know, you can switch that all around, and the 49ers are just constantly going to have too much to deal with. And I think the X factor behind all of those weapons has to be, in the same vein, the offensive line's ability to protect and, and allow Purdy to operate. Because if there's one thing Dallas can do, it's get after the quarterback. There is no doubt about it. And I think that's the question, right? So it's going to be about which secondary player shows up because we, we talk about Trayvon Diggs, but it's really about Deron Bland and looking at where the Cowboys struggle. They are dead last in DVOA at defending the number two wide receiver last week against the Bucks, even in a 17-point game. Deron Bland, their CB2, gave up over he was first of all he was targeted a ton they targeted him 12 times and gave up 98 yards one or sorry more importantly gave up 49 yards and last week the Cowboys gave up 195 yards after the catch on this season they are bottom three in yards after the catch we know the way that the 49ers offense is designed is to get players in optimal positions so they can run after the catch and you know just out athlete people run faster than the person trying to guard him and teams have struggled to do that. So it seems like the matchup would favor the 49ers in that sense, but can Mike McGlinchey hold up? And he has done a really good job of that. And it's not really just Mike McGlinchey, but will DeMarcus Lawrence be good enough? Will the 49ers like Aaron Banks and Spencer Burford, well, those guys, that's what it's probably going to come down to. Will they be able to win their matchups? I think this game all around, no matter where you look, is it's going to be about whichever team's secondary players are better. The 49ers, when you look at their skill players, going back to that that side of things, yeah, you, you said you take away two. Let's say they take away Debo. Let's say that George Kittle has to stay in and block this game because they're struggling to pass protect. Okay, Christian McCaffrey. Okay, Brandon Ayuk. So that's what makes them so difficult. That's why they're scoring these points in bunches, because even when they are in this 21 personnel, your secondary player, your third best player is more than likely most teams is going against most teams' best players. So, um, 
they're, they're scoring 35 a game for a reason, man. And I, um, I, they, here's the injury report and, um, Jason Peters hasn't tackled, hasn't practiced. We talked about that, but safety, Javon, uh, Jerron curse is limited with a, a knee injury. And I think he's probably trending towards playing, but that's a pretty big, a pretty big problem, you know, for, for Dallas, when you're talking about having to have someone else come up in the clutch when, you know, let's say Trevon Diggs just happens to take away Brandon Ayuk, which is no guarantee because I think if I had, if, if I had one rep between those two, I'd put my money on Brandon Ayuk. But um, we, we saw how that matchup it, went know, last year, and it did not favor um, right. Diggs. And so, you know, Curse is one of their their guys that's been around for a while. And he's one of the guys, almost like their Jimmy Ward. I'm not saying he's as good a player as Jimmy Ward. He's not. But they're going to be counting on him to do similar things as as what the 49ers might be counting on Ward to do, just in, in a dependability and a reliability and a, and, a, and, and a holding down his role standpoint. And if he's hurt, it seems like he's hurt to the point where he's going to be obviously playing through something. It's not like... It doesn't seem like something. I think he has a grade one MCL sprain, if I'm not mistaken. I thought that's what I ended up reading. Don't quote me on that. But I mean, that's a significant injury. And to play through that is not going to be easy. And, I mean, that's a big problem when you're talking about a unit that's already going to have the kitchen sink thrown at them and from in terms of from the 49ers. So, I don't know. I just feel like this is the only part of this matchup that I feel is so balanced and so even. I would say the only clear mismatch is this 49ers offense and their weapons against this Dallas defense, probably more so through the air. But it it also wouldn't surprise me at all Despite the fact that Dallas has been good against the run, it wouldn't surprise me at all if, one, Kyle Shanahan is still confident that he can run the ball, and, two, he's just about to run it 50 times with Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, and Jordan Mason and Debo Samuel, and he's just going to make this the most disappointing experience for that defense. Obviously, that has to work for it to be beautiful. You know, running the ball is only cool when it works. Like, it's not – you know, it's not cool to average two yards of carry and, and constantly punt. So, uh, or otherwise, you'd be the Buccaneers' offense. But um, it's <laughs> love that. <yeah>. It's <laughs> like you know they could just run it on first down every single drive. But so I mean, it's to me it, it seems cliche, but it's not always the case. But to me, the the game is going to be won or lost in the lines. You know, like. The 49ers know they're going to have to get to Dak Prescott if they want, if they don't want to get carved up. Because I think that this that they this offense has the talent to carve any defense up if Dak Prescott's protected. And I think Dallas knows that if Purdy has time and if he feels comfortable, they're toast. Like they just simply cannot cover all those players at once. And you're even having to do shit like worry about uh like Kyle Yuschek and Jawan Jennings. Like you know, you even have to worry about them and we're not even talking about them. So it's like, that's the one side of the ball, the 49ers offense that truly feels like shit could get a little hairy. You know, if, if, I don't know, 
I mean, obviously the 49ers defense has shown just a, a few little things over the last five or six games as far as things getting out of hand for them. But I feel like if one side's going to run away with this, it's the 49ers offense. You know, is that you get where I'm coming from? Yeah, I do. And I think how the 49ers play is going to be a tough matchup for Dallas. And I know from remember last year, Parsons said, you know, I'm from Harrisburg where the bullies bully the bully or something along those lines. You can probably run at him and run wide on Dallas. And everybody knows that's what the 49ers are trying to do. Like, look at Christian McCaffrey's long run last year, last week. Look at how Debo Samuel got wide last week. Essentially, you can run behind Trent Williams, but <laughs> they are able right. to just find ways to kind of manipulate the defense, whether it's with pre-snap motion, whether it's with um, getting juice in a good angle to cut a defender off. And now it's McCaffrey one-on-one with a safety or it's Debo one-on-one with a corner. That's usually a win for the 49ers. So in that sense, and then we haven't really talked much about how Shanahan has practiced against Dan Quinn's defense for years and years and years. So if there's somebody who knows the ins and outs and where the soft spots are in this defense, they could do that. But the passing part about this, I think, is a big deal. So we're talking about running so much and how Dallas is good against the run, but the 49ers throw these little quick screens, right? These these quick passes, these built-in um, package plays that are very tough to defend and are just extended handoffs to Brock Purdy. Think about the passing plays that Purdy's had over the past couple of weeks. He has thrown to dudes that are wide the hell open. And why is that going to change against a team that's been bottom 10 against the pass in the past month or so? So I have, I like the matchup a lot for the 49ers on this side of the ball. I think it will be a higher scoring game, but the 49ers want to get out to a lead here. And the 49ers want to play, make Dallas play catch up. And that way they're just uncomfortable. They're The 49ers are a wagon at home. Like they are insane. Their numbers, their splits like from point differential to just like points per game, you name it. When they're at Levi Stadium compared to on the road, they're about as good as it gets. If not, well, I know from point differ- differential standpoint, they were far and away the best team in the NFL when they were playing at home. Um, Going to be good weather, it looks like, so they don't have to worry about the rain for another week, second week in a row. And you, you mentioned way back when, like Mayoko said on his pod, Dallas losing on the road. They are, they're on a short week, and they're on the road again, so they're traveling again. They're going from one coast to the other. That has to be factored in. Um, generally speaking, right, teams are on a short week against a team with uh, who had another extra day of rest, who has already been humming and doesn't have the familiarity that or the familiarity with Shanahan and Quinn that all factoring all that in it's tough for me to see the 49ers staying under 30 will Dallas get to 30 I'm not so sure that they will I think if the 49ers are able to just get out of their own way build a little bit of a lead here and that's where we see the difference in the game yeah, I was going to ask you how much of a factor you thought the this is Dallas's fourth straight road game. They are on they played on Monday night. 49ers played on Saturday afternoon. Uh I mean that's a huge event. I thought that it was hilarious. I think it was Chris Sims that was like trying to make a big deal out of the the short week versus what the 49ers had. And I'm just like like I, he must have not remembered the time when the second seed used to get a bye week and the fact that the number so one seed got a bye week. <laughs> like it's like there's there's supposed to be an element of the playoffs that's not fair, 
you know, like and the NFL's never tried to hide that. I'm just like, why is this all of a sudden a big deal? Yeah, they get less time to prepare. Yeah, the 49ers got more rest. The 49ers were the two seed. The Dallas were the five seed. Just be glad the 49ers weren't chilling for a week and a half on a bye. You know, like that could have been the, the, you know, if this was four years ago, that's what they would have been doing. They would have gotten a bye too. So it's, uh, it's interesting. What's your score? Were you going to say something? I thought you were going to say something. So I paused. No, well, I, I was just going to say, win more games in the regular season, and none of this matters. <laughs> you, if, right. if only there was a, a time for you guys to work this out um, during the regular season. It, I hate that when we get to this point. It's like complaining about the refs when you're losing. Nobody ever complains about the refs when you're winning. Um, nobody ever complains right. about the schedule when it's in their favor or when they're off of winning streaks and whatnot. Don't lose to the freaking commanders in the last week of the season. Um, there's there's so many different things where, or over the course of the season. Uh, the Cowboys lost. Uh, to the Jaguars when they were up in the fourth quarter. I believe they were up, what, like, uh, I, I want to say they were up like 14 points, and they lost. So if these little games yeah. like this don't Lost happen, to the Jags not complaining in overtime. This. Yep. Lost to Jags in overtime. Lost to Green Bay in overtime. It's, uh, yeah, you know, that those two wins would have gone a long way. But, um, no, I mean, I think we're, I think we're close to wrapping it up. I think that, uh, it's just an interesting game for me. It's like, I just think, I think my biggest thing is I think both teams are more than capable. Yeah, it's the playoffs, but like, look at what the Vikings just did. The 49ers handled the Seahawks really well. Uh, you know, it's it, not every team is created equal in the playoffs, but I do think that the 49ers and Cowboys are both genuinely good teams. Both teams can beat each other. Either team can get hot at any point in the game and, and really take it upon themselves. I do think the 49ers have a slight edge. I mean, but even when you look at the, at the odds, I think the 49ers are favored by like three, three and a half max, which is like just your home field advantage essentially. So even the NFL, I, I had a buddy of mine just text me, said that some dude put 2 million on the, on the Cowboys. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I feel like that happens all the time though. Like there's just these crazy rich people that throw around money and, just don't know what to do with it. Like, right? Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Do we? Uh, do we want to? Do you want? Do we want to do score predictions? Yeah, let's do it. So, I think we're going to need a lot of variance. This game has a high variance potential, probably more so than any other game this season. So we don't know. We just talked about, I mean, a nausea in both offenses, but which Dak Prescott are we going to get? Are we going to get the Dak Prescott from last week? Or are we going to get the Cowboys and Dak Prescott against the Commanders the week before that only scored six points against a very good defensive line. Which Brock Purdy are we going to get? Are we going to get the Purdy who's been leading an offense scoring 30 or basically five touchdowns a game? Or are we going to see the guy who has been putting the ball in harm's way occasionally or the one who in the first quarter was air milling passes left and right? For as much as we, we have been focusing on it, not us specifically, but as much as social media has been, you know, hammering home that, you know, Brock Purdy is this guy, is he really going to have to be the difference maker in this one? Because I think it's going to come down to, you know, Brian Ayuk, Debo Samuel, the supporting cast, as it always has. And when, when that is the case, when that's been the case, the 49ers tend to run away with it. So in, in that sense, I'm, I'm thinking my initial gut 
when both these teams were announced was 31-27. So I'm going to I'm going to stay there. I'm going to go 31-27 home team and in a fun one. What do you what do you think? Is that too high? No, I don't think so. I mean, I was going to go 34-24. I think I th- and even that seems like I, you know, if if it's a two-score game, then then I, I I'd be a little surprised. Not that it's it, there may be phases, parts of the game where it's a two-score game, but if it finished as a two-score game, I think I'd be pleasantly surprised. But I'm just going to go 34-24 because I think Dallas will have some success on offense, but I think the 49ers will have a little bit more success on offense. And to me, 34-24 that's, you know, means Dax throwing an interception. Yeah, which probably right? I think will have some kind of turnover. Yeah. And and just to like briefly mention mention that I don't real I know that Dak Prescott has thrown fifteen interceptions, but if you watch Dallas, there's quite a few of those that are not on Dak. Now he's still even if you take those away, he's still throwing. He'll still give you the ball. And if he has to worry about the 49ers defensive front, that uh, you know then then I'm I'm I think he'll still get at least give one up. You know, trying to trying to make force something to happen when he's got pressure in his face type of deal. Um. Yeah, I think that's what I'll go with. That's what I'll go with. But again, like if someone told you the score was flipped, I wouldn't be surprised at all. It's just one of those games where both teams are very, very talented and shit. Football's weird, man. One play can can make the difference. So anything else you want to add, dude? I guess we've been on here for an hour, so we probably covered it. Yeah, no, I mean... There's a good chance that this ends up being the best game of the playoffs, in my opinion. I think there's a, a high, very good chance that it's the best game of the NFC. Two high-octane offenses, two very good teams on both sides of the ball, right? right? Um, bunch of good players, uh, great coaching staffs, but that's probably the area that we didn't talk about. I, I think the difference will come down to Shanahan knowing uh, Dan Quinn and D'Amico Ryan's one-upping Kellen Moore. He's had success against Kellen Moore in um, the time that they, the times that they have matched up. So I'm gonna bet on the I'm gonna bet on the team with the better players and better coaches. Bold. <laughs> I mean, I guess we could have probably narrowed this podcast down to like five minutes if we would have just talked about <laughs> how each other was doing, and we were like, both teams have good players and good coaches, but the 49ers have a little bit more good players and better coaches, so we think they're gonna win. All right, thank you for for listening to Striking Gold. Yep, that'll do it. You know, like. I know, I know. Sometimes it's that simple, but I guess that's not what we get paid for. So, uh, well, thanks, man. I mean, hey, look, I'm just telling you, if 49ers win, um, you, you got to you're required to jump on here again, and we'll uh, we'll talk mm, about my it. My pleasure, man. Uh, since you should already be on here and be getting paid to be on here, but you know, anyways, bitches. <laughs> All right. Um, KP, thanks, bro. I appreciate you, as you know this. Um, I also appreciate everybody else uh, that's listening to the podcast right now. I appreciate you. Obviously, you make the wheels go around. This thing wouldn't exist if it wasn't for you guys. Um, Hopefully, I am back on here in good spirits uh, Sunday uh, evening after the game. We'll see. You know how that goes. Now, uh, I may or may not be going to the game. We'll see if I do go to the game since it got pushed back to three 30, uh, there pro I will probably not be recording that podcast until Monday. So just a heads up, 
um, my my little reaction. Uh, if I don't go to the game, uh, then I'll be obviously be on here recording it. You'll get it Monday morning. But if I do go, uh, then I will. Uh, you will not hear from me until Tuesday morning. Um, but anyways, yeah. Thank you guys. Download, rate, subscribe, review, listen, pass it on, all that good stuff, all good things. KP, thanks again, bro. But uh, for another episode, I'm Rob. That's KP. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com